Hey there, we're back with for another edition of the Foundation of Life. Um, today, Matt, would you open us up with a word of prayer, please, first? Absolutely. You know, thinking with uh, the topic today being the flood, uh, there's some flooding going on here in the Midwest. Recently, we had a long winter, and unfortunately, a lot of that moisture is uh, causing, I know, parts of Nebraska and Missouri and Kansas to flood. So I just wanted to pray for them Absolutely. to start. Let's do it. Dear Jesus, we thank you that as we contemplate this topic of a worldwide flood, that you promised to never destroy the earth like that again. And it's, we feel bad, Lord, for those who are in need as they go without their comforts of their homes. But at the same time, Lord, we know that you are extending your, your love and compassion through others, maybe, maybe even angels to those regions. And so we want to lift them up. We hope that you uh, give them the peace that passes understanding as they go through this struggle at this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So, Matt, today, I'm excited, man. Um, Me too. We have Serge Belisai with us, who works for the city of Kansas City, Missouri. He is a registered uh, geologist for the states of Missouri and Kansas. Um, You and I had the opportunity last year to listen to him and give, uh, as he gave his uh, presentation about the flood from a geological perspective. So, uh, Serge, we're, we're glad you're here, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm really happy to be here with you all. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to share Absolutely. this with you. Um, I am a geologist, as you said, registered uh, of Kansas and Missouri, and I went to UMKC. And uh, I, for a long time in my career, I've always been interested in Noah's flood. And uh, through the years, I've prayed to the Lord uh, to give me insight on trying to explain and answer questions regarding the flood. And I was blessed through the years to uh, come up with the theory that I shared with you. Awesome. Well, we're excited to hear it. Um, Matt, uh, we've, we've known Serge now for, for about, what, 30 years? We were went together, went to the same church together when we all started out in Central Central yeah. Church down in Kansas City. Um, That's right. That's we were right. little kids when Serge, when Serge met us, so things have changed a little bit since then. But yeah. uh, we look older; he still looks the same. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I hope to hope to stay the same as well. <laughs> now, Serge, you weren't always a biblical flood believer. That's right. I was raised in the Catholic Church. Uh, I was a Catholic for a long time. Uh, I, of course, going through UMKC, I was uh, brainwashed, if you will with uh, millions of years evolution and all that sort of thing. So through the years uh, since I became an Adventist, through my sister's uh, promptings, uh, the Lord really has worked with me and helped me become Christian. That's great. That's great. Well, um, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how how you came to this, uh, to this format that you're, that you're going to speak about today. Well, again, as I said, uh, I prayed to the Lord for a long, long time. I've, I've always been interested in Noah's flood and, and, and trying to explain in a scientific way uh, how it came about. And through the years, I, I studied so many signs that I've seen in nature, uh, signs in the moon, uh, signs in our oceans, the bottom of the oceans, signs in uh, the, the, the rock layers that are all around us. And, uh, it, it, with the, and, and, of course, loving chemistry. Chemistry helped me to figure out a lot of these things. And I studied uh, uh, the geothermal uh, ejections, you know, from geysers and everything. 
putting all that together and with the chemistry that was there, the, the compounds that uh, come out of all these eruptions, uh, it finally dawned on me that, yes, uh, this was a catastrophic event. And the, the chemistry is there to, to show you uh, how it could all happen within 40, 40 days. Okay, so what we've decided is this is probably going to be a two-part uh, process here for our episode. So we wanted to just kind of open things up to you to share your uh, worldwide flood theory. And then part two, we'll, we'll pick your brain. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds that's, a, that's good. a good way to put it. Sounds good. Well, uh, just in a nutshell, uh, I looked at the, uh, the, uh, the, the evidence at the bottom of the ocean. You know, there's a giant rift system that uh, surrounds the whole Earth. The Atlantic Ocean, the, the Pacific, and the Indian show us a giant scar. Um, we also see the, 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 the rock layers, the repetition of, uh, of different sediments, uh, limestone, sandstone, shales. They repeat themselves, and all over the world, they're not always exactly the same layers, but they all have the same kind of composition of material. And then if you, what really helped me was the passage in Psalm 46.6, which stated that the, uh, the, the, the nations raged, the kingdoms crumbled, and then it said that the earth melted. When I heard that and I read that and I thought, wow, uh, I began to, to develop this theory. And I believe that this catastrophic event with the flood occurred when God spoke. It was a divine intervention. It was a, a spoken word by the Lord to to speak. And what 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 we had at, at, at the center of the earth or the innermost of the earth, we had giant uh, oceans that uh, fed all of the plants. You know, before the flood, there was no rain. And these plants were basically fed uh, through the roots, through cracks on the surface of the earth that went down to the crust and the mantle of the earth. So, Eventually, that's that. That's where it led me to to those theories. So I noticed a couple of things you mentioned in there. Uh, one, this is this was a catastrophic event showing God's power. And have you seen evidence of that uh, in in your findings? And then two, you said there used to not be rain. Where where is that? Uh, knowledge coming from? Well, it, it does state in Genesis in the scripture that uh, the the plants were basically nurtured with uh, a dew that would come up in the morning, a mist, and then it would disappear at the end of the day. So the Genesis does say that there was no rain before the flood, and also the spirit of prophecy uh, uh, speaks of this. And so this really, uh, this heating of the uh, inner oceans uh, beneath the earth from God's spoken word, I believe, was the catalyst that caused the beginning of the flood. And by that, you had these waters that would begin to boil. And as they, the waters boiled, they incorporated all the elements and the uh, all of the uh, the material in the crust and in, in the uh, outer uh, mantle. And eventually, you know, like you have, a, if you put an egg in a, a microwave and you, you, you zap it, it's going to explode. Well, what <laughs> happened was the earth cracked pretty much like an egg. Mm. And you could see to this day, you could see that giant rift all around the world. And it's just, this is where the fountains of the great deep came out and exploded in huge jets, which Spirit of Prophecy speaks about. And there were giant rocks that were hurled up into the atmosphere. Some of these went up and hit the moon and caused scars there. But all of this was a, a building of pressure. And, and it does say that uh, bef before the flood, there was no rain. But, uh, you know, eventually 
the humidity of the earth built up because of these waters heating up. Um, that's 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 awesome. I, I know that uh, one of the one of the quotes I've I've read here in Patriarchs and Prophets from uh, Ellen White. Uh, one of the quotes here was was pretty impressive to me, and it kind of goes along those terms. It says, "Then the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Water appeared to come from the clouds in mighty cataracts." Uh, rivers broke away from the from their boundaries and overflowed the valleys. Jets of water burst from the earth with incredible force, throwing massive rocks hundreds of feet into the air. And these, in falling, buried themselves deep in the ground. And so, you know, someone would say, man, the moon's a long ways away. And, and those are pretty big scars on the moon left by big rocks. Um, but the force that it would need to break apart the earth, right? To the fountains from the deep. It's the, we're, we're thinking of a fountain down on JC, you know, JC Nichols, whatever it's called down there on the plaza, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, the, these rocks had to be coming or leaving the earth's atmosphere at a, an incredible rate. And yet some of those bigger ones probably didn't escape earth's gravitational pull and probably came back down. Correct. That is correct. That there are many places on the earth where you find these giant boulders they're, the material of the boulders don't match the surrounding uh, rocks. And I believe that these were hurled hundreds of, if not thousands of miles from their source and landed and destroyed the interdiluvian cities, etc. And we have to understand that uh, the force was just incredible. It was like a pressure kettle, if you will, mm. with the lid. And eventually uh, the pressure was so great that it was only through the rift system that these waters came through. Okay, you mentioned some of these different kinds of rocks, right, that you find throughout the world. And when we heard your presentation, you mentioned some of the elements that were cooking and boiling and stirring and mixed together during this, this catastrophic event. Can you talk yes. about that? The Earth's atmosphere, many scientists, including myself, believe the Earth's uh, oxygen content was a lot higher back uh, before the flood, about 24, 25%. Today, it's about 21%. The elements that came out of that the hot brew, if you will, from the Earth was rich in calcium, sodium. Uh, there was uh, carbon dioxide. So all of these mixed with the 24 to 25% oxygen level and created compounds that were unique to the flood. Compounds like uh, calcium carbonate, which is limestone. Uh, other compounds that form sandstone. Uh, you have shales. You even had sulfuric acid form at, the, at one point. As, as a matter of fact, sulfuric acid is a, one of the first byproducts. And you can see that there is a layer Throughout the whole world, it's called the Great Unconformity. It shows an erosional surface so great that I believe the sulfuric acid bath created this erosional feature. So when we look at, uh, when we go to the Grand Canyon, right, and we see the different layers stacked upon each other and, and evolutionists want to say, well, the, here's, here's a million years of, of time gone by and then on top of this is another couple thousand years and, and so on and so forth. But... Being a geologist, wouldn't you see some erosion patterns in those different levels or layers uh, as opposed to the very top layer that we have right now where obviously the erosion is quite uh, evident? Um, what kind of erosion patterns would we have if it was millions and millions of years? I don't believe that, 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 the, that the land would even still be here based on the current erosion rates that we have right now. Exactly. Uh, you have to understand that this, this uh, process of 
deposition of limestone and sandstone and shale, the different layers, they do show small erosional features, but you have to understand sulfuric acid had its episodes of being created and then other layers were formed and then more sulfuric acid created. So what happened is the reason we have the different layers of limestone and sandstone and then suddenly we transition back to sandstone and then limestone is because as these boiling waters came to the surface, the, the mixture of chemicals at one point was more rich, so it would form calcium uh, carbonate. You had a, a, the, the levels of, car, uh, of uh, carbon dioxide, when they shift, they cause either carbon di uh, calcium carbonate to form or to stay in solution. So all of these chemical reactions back and forth, back and forth, mm. different equilibriums at different points would cause certain layers to form. And, and when that changed, then the other layer, and then it will go back. It was a process that was repeated. And it was all with the special conditions of the, the waters of the fountains of the great deep. And I hear a few things there too, is when, when things are heated up or these processes are sped up, right? Potentially to cause destruction quicker. And also the after effects are going to be different maybe per se than uh, what we're used to at a catastrophic level like that. You, you mentioned sulfuric acid. Would that be what's in acid rain to, to a certain extent? Or? To a certain extent in a very smaller, much smaller proportion or, or uh, composition than what occurred at the flood, but certainly uh, sulfuric acid was in, in acid rain, yes. Can you also develop what the great conformity is a little more specifically? Because that was fascinating to me when you presented that. The great unconformity is a erosional feature found worldwide where the material below the unconformity is totally different than the material above. And this erosional feature is so tremendous in the sense that for a long time, scientists did not understand what could have caused this erosional feature because it's powerfully, it's huge and it shows that it was something very concentrated that could have caused this surface to occur. And I believe that the sulfuric acid from the first reaction of the fountains of Great Deep with our oxygen atmosphere formed sulfuric acid on a great volume and, and formed this, uh, this surface. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then also talk more about the destruction. I know it's, oh. it's not a great thing to dwell on, but, you know, to see what we're seeing today uh, must be totally different than what the earth was like before in some, in some forms. The destruction of the flood was unique. We have not seen anything like it ever since that it happened. There was destruction from underneath. There was destruction at the surface. And we have to also understand, for those who may not know this, it is also believed there was a canopy above the Earth that protected the Earth from ultraviolet radiation. It maintained the Earth's temperature pretty much uh, very constant, uh, well, uh, comfortable conditions. That layer was also uh, de uh, destructed or was destroyed during the great fountains of the deep bursting up into the atmosphere. The destruction was unimaginable. There were tidal waves, there were tsunamis, earthquakes, there were uh, 
avalanches. There were great hordes of rocks going into the air and coming back down. The antediluvians and all the animals, that they were so fearful. And, of course, it does say that Satan feared for his own existence. I actually have that quote right here. Uh, it's from, looks like page 67 of the story of redemption. She says that the violence of the storm increased and there were mingled with the warring of the elements, the wailings of the people who had despised the authority of God. Trees, buildings, rocks, and earth were hurled in every direction. The terror of man and beast was beyond description. And even Satan himself, who was compelled to be amid the warring elements, feared for his own existence. And I remember studying, you know, when you're talking about these boulders and parts of earth being hurled um, through, through, you know, our atmosphere and maybe beyond. There's, there's these big boulders out in the middle of deserts that are made up of not the same composition of, of material. Right. That's right. And so how, how does that explain by geologists? Usually I, I've never heard. <laughs> it's still a puzzle. I think to a lot of geologists, they, some of them think maybe some of those may have been carried by glaciers that pushed them there. But many of the areas where uh, supposed glaciers should have come from, they, they, they don't show them to have existed in those areas. But these are these some of these rocks were found in jungles, some of them in deserts, like you said. Some of them are under oceans. Wow. Uh, they were just, and they're tremendous in size. And even the uh, Grand Canyon uh, geologic uh, sequence shows boulders, too. So this, this shows a, a, a worldwide uh, explosive effect of uh, the pressures of the fountains of the great deep uh, finally cracking the earth's surface to release the pressure and sending thousands, if not millions of tons of debris, boulders that went, punctured the canopy that existed and caused it to collapse. And then of course, many of those went to the moon, crash landed on the moon because many don't know that the moon always faces the same side of the earth. The far side of the moon is totally different in appearance than the near side. One other thing, if I may share, mm -hmm. the, the NASA scientists, when they went to the moon and got the samples, they thought the moon would be more like the core of the earth because they believe the moon came out of the earth. But the samples, inter inter interestingly enough, show that the moon's rocks are more like the mantle and the crust, the outer part of the earth, really? which really supports the theory that these boulders from the earth came mainly from the mantle and the crust. And a lot of them crashed on the moon which shows another piece of evidence of this great catastrophe. It's like, it's like almost like the moon got peppered by rocks, like a shotgun, right? Absolutely. I mean, how, how, how a shotgun shell would explode in all different directions, peppering the moon from the rocks. Because we know when God said that he created the heaven, um, the heavens, the earth, the moon, the stars, he said it was good. It was perfect, right? So I, I can't imagine a perfect moon looking as scarred as it does today, mm -hmm. right? Correct? That is correct. So I, 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 it's funny that Serge brings that up because I've talked to some other scientists and, and uh, a hypothesis that I, that I had myself when I was first getting it back into the Word and, and uh, doing some, uh, some different uh, 
Research. Research, yeah. Um, I I was really excited when I heard people say, people like you say that, because it just makes sense. I mean, with the size of the Earth, the gravitational pull of the Earth, anything that's huge would actually be pulled into the Earth's gravitational pull uh, as opposed to the moon's. But the Earth's also, the size of the, sh- the, size of the Earth shadows the moon so that uh, the moon can't take a direct shot from outer space either. So I, I think that's really, really cool. I think one other thing that I thought was really cool when we were discussing the um, – the, uh, like you said, the firmament, I guess, around the earth that was created. Um, one of the things that interests me is the fact that even in this destruction, God was also creating. Uh, he created the water cycle because that was something completely abstract to that time before the flood. Um, so now we have a way, God uh, created a way to still water the earth, to still give us life through water because we were, what, 98% water anyway. We need to have water. He knew we needed that. So even in his destruction, he was also creating, which I find, uh, you know, his he's he's always, you know, the dichotomy is always there with him. You know, it's always, it's always something uh, beautiful. So uh, I think that's pretty neat that, that he also created the water cycle in that. Um, so, so yeah, Serge, um, we've got about, I don't know, 10 minutes here left in the, in this first, uh, first part. Um, if you could expand a little bit more on the, um, maybe the, uh, the actual breakup of the earth uh, as through a geologist's mind, you know, what, what happened to the different layers of rocks that we see now and, and how were they different from what they are uh, or how are they different now than they were before the flood? Okay, before the flood, the, the earth uh, did not have, as you say, surface oceans. The mountains were very smooth. They, they, were, they were not jagged, and the Spirit of Prophecy mentions that. Uh, everything was pretty much uh, stable. Uh, the vegetation was lush. Uh, we had interfingering seas, and the vegetation was fed from the roots, so there was no rain. Well, at the flood, when the waters of the great deep uh, boiled from within, and eventually uh, through the cracks that fed these plants, uh, humidity came up uh, through these, and humidity built up. And that's when the antediluvians looked up and they saw these huge dark clouds. So the Lord had a plan. He caused humidity to, to, to build up forming the big clouds, uh, storm clouds. Then the waters of the great deep exploded. And all these uh, elements and, and huge layers of, 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 of sediment from within just exploded. And it was then that the geologic um, uh, cycle began, if you will, what we see today. And I assume you're going to get into sediments, but how hot do you think this, this uh, soup was, basically? Because the reason I bring that up is, we don't find a lot of antediluvian skeletons. So I'm thinking they just were basically melted. But Yes, that's a good question. Uh, the temperature must have been fairly hot. Uh, the Spirit of Prophecy mentions the seething bellows, when the antediluvians and all the hurling trees, seething meaning boiling. So we can assume that the waters were boiling, but then we have to realize the balance uh, with the waters from the uh, breaking up of the canopy coming down, helping to cool some of that. But, but the, the waters were definitely, I think, very hot. Yeah. One thing I would like to ask you, though, and this is what a lot of secularists, secularists ask me, you know, we find all these dinosaur bones in, in, the, uh, in the fossil record. Have we or why haven't we found any human bones? Okay. 
This is an interesting question you bring up, and uh, I've st- I've pondered upon that. But it does say that the Lord, the the the, the places of the greatest evil uh, before the flood were the ones that were buried the deepest. Uh, all of the areas of the Middle East are nothing but deserts today. And it is believed that a lot of the antediluvian cities uh, were uh, located in those areas. I believe, and there is a passage in the Spirit of Prophecy, I don't remember where it is now, but it says that the, the Lord himself did bury these things deep. And even the precious stones that used to be abundant on the surface of the uh, earth before the flood, gold and the precious stones, God buried them after the flood because he, he said he knew that this would cause a lot of, uh, of evil before the flood. That reminds me, you, you mentioned, I think it's coal or oil or something and how, what your theory is, what that really is. Do you recall? Yes, uh, I believe that coal, and it, and you can see it under the microscope, they've done studies, it's made up of the, uh, the effects or the remains of living creatures, uh, trees, all kinds of uh, 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 vegetation. Coal is the remain of all these things. So I have to say that the antediluvians were reduced into this coal mixture and we're probably uh, burning uh, fossil fuel today. It's, we're burning antediluvians. So it's something I found here in Patriarchs and Prophets again that kind of goes along with that is um, so she says, uh, the beasts exposed to the tempest rush toward man as though expecting help from them. Uh, some of the people bound their children and themselves upon powerful animals, knowing that these were tenacious of life and would climb to the highest points to escape rushing waters or rising waters. So based on what you said, um, you know, humans, are, you know, we, we're pretty finite. We die pretty quick, uh, you know, as opposed to animals uh, who are who are a little more keen on survival. And so maybe that's another reason too, why we don't find human bones, because I, a lot of the humans probably were already had already perished before a lot of the animals that could run faster, you know, climb higher, that sort of thing to, to seek safety, you know? So I, I think that's interesting that she points that out there in the, in the uh, patriarchs and prophets there. Mm-hmm. Now sediment. So this is kind of getting to the after words, but I've heard, that the sediment makes sense in a, in a biblical flood theory and in the rapidity of it settling. Can you speak on that? Yes, because uh, the process was very interesting. The waters build up, uh, waters from heaven uh, coming down. And uh, so you had these waters rising, you had these sediments coming down from the deep. And as the waters rose, the sediments uh, formed and the, 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 the compromise between water and sediment formed these layers. And with the change of chemistry back and forth, depending upon where that stuff was coming from, from the deep, you had all this interplay and you had these different layers. Then they took, they, they, they separated and you had sh- uh, shales, sandstones, limestone, and it was a repetition and it worked really well. Uh, you, can, you can see that. The, the, the process makes a lot of sense when you study this. And I just saw something interesting in this video on how these, um, these machines that are basically uh, super water blasters, and they talk about the poundage of water coming out of there that can cut through things. And I'm thinking if, this, if there was this much water on the earth, the, the, the weight you know, pressing down on these sediments and things, it makes sense to me that things were flat that way and it came rock and things like that. Exactly. 
Well, um, Serge, I know time flies when we're having fun, um, but uh, you know we really appreciate you being here. Um, we are going to end this session. Um, uh, the next session, we'll we'll get into some maybe some more question and answers um, based on some uh, biblical thought and also some voice of prophecy uh, enlightenment. And uh, just really excited for for the next session. It's great.